You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. Good morning again. Go ahead and turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 7. If you don't have one, uh, we would love for you to get in, in the Word with us this morning. We have some Bibles in the back. We have some ushers. If you'll just slip your hand up, they'll bring you one if you don't own a copy of God's Word. We would love for you to take that as a gift from us to you. So we're going to be diving into Luke chapter 7. And as we do that, I want to ask you a question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? I don't know if you picked up on some of the songs that we sang this morning and, and, and congregationally worshipped the Lord together, but every single song made a declaration of who God is. And we, we, we sang these words, that He is our way maker. He's our miracle worker, our promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. He is our God. But I want to ask you, do you believe that? So I think it's really easy to come together in this like worship setting as a church with the cool lights and all the sound and everything's really great because it looks amazing and the chords are hitting just right and the music's really pumping and we go, man, yeah, he is our way maker. But when life stinks and when life gets difficult, is he still that for you? Is, is he that miracle worker? When we read through the Bible, and maybe you're, you're a morning, quiet time, coffee person, and you're drinking your coffee, and you're going through the miracles in Scripture, and you get to that place where this awkward thing happens, where somebody's raised from the dead, or this miracle happens, do you still believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever? Is this who Jesus is? Recently, I was at a friend's house, and I don't know how the the, the topic came up, but we started uh, reminiscing on some worship songs, and he brought up a song that we, uh, I think, came out in 2008. The song is called Healer, and it's like, I believe that you're my healer. I believe that you are all I need, right? You go there, and you're like, oh, man, that's the truth, right? He is my healer. He is all I need. Well, I had forgotten the story behind that song, and our friend reminded me the story of the song. So the story of this song is this this pastor who who has cancer, and he's experiencing all of the struggles that cancer comes with and chemotherapy and all the things, and he writes this song because God is his healer, right? And he goes around. The song actually gets some, some really big popularity. This is actually like a year after I got saved. I remember this song like just being massive. And he begins touring around churches, and you see him singing the song. He's got like an oxygen tank on, and his head's shaved, and all his hair's gone. And and it's just this powerful song. There's only one problem. Dude never had cancer. Right? He wrote this amazing, strong song, making a declaration of who God is, and faked the entire thing. And I don't know about you. But like when I hear stories like that, there, there's a moment where I think Satan wants to try to shake my faith. He, he, he wants to try to take this, this one broken story, this, this one person who, for whatever reason, made a really bad decision. 
And he wants to take this truth that God is our healer, but because the, the human part of it, right? Man, because we broke this truth because we lied about something and we created this amazing song that made a declaration of who he is. Now, no longer that truth is no longer true, is what Satan wants us to believe. And it couldn't be further from the truth. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we, we come into this place as, as a church and we, we get into this congregational belief system, Meaning we come in, there's, there's, there's voices, it's loud, it's, it's, it's amazing. To, one, of my best, one of my favorite parts of congregational worship is when I hear you. I love Hunter, I love our vocalists, and I love great music, but when I hear the sounds of the saints, there's something that happens in my heart. And it's just this explosion of God's people and the love that he has for us and then the love that we have back to him that just really brings me joy. And I think there's something that happens in congregational worship where we come in, we sing these songs like he's our way maker. He, he is God. He, he, he loves us. And we're overjoyed. But if we're not careful when we walk out those doors, we are nothing, nothing more than like Jeffersonian imprints. And if you don't catch that reference, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson was our third president. And he wrote, or I should say edited, the Bible. And this is, you might know him because he you know, was famous for the Louisiana Purchase and some of those other different things in, in history. But Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to John Adams saying this in 1814. He says, The whole history of these books, the Gospels, is so defective and doubtful that it seems vain to attempt minute in inquiry into it. And such tricks have been played with their text and with the text of other books relating to them that we have a right from that cause to entertain much doubt what parts of them are genuine. In the New Testament, there is internal evidence that parts of it have proceeded from an extraordinary man and that other parts are of the fabric of very inferior minds. It is as easy to separate those parts as to pick out diamonds from dung hills. Jefferson would go on to create his own version of the Bible, removing most of Jesus' miracles from the Gospels. And I think if we're not careful... I don't think you and I go home and mark out miracles in the Bible or cut them out like Thomas Jefferson did, but I do believe that we cut them out from our hearts. We go to those places in the text and we come across these stories of Jesus healing. We go, oh yeah, that was great. That was good for then. He's not doing that now. And we become Jeffersonian in our faith. For some reason, we can get to this place where we can trust that Jesus did, in fact, live a perfect life, did, in fact, die on a cross, defeat the grave, and then somehow has said to us, hey, if you'll just believe in me, I will give you eternal and abundant life. We, we, we don't struggle there. But then all of a sudden, we get to this place where we get to this question of healing and miracles.